Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode, I nearly called it edition, it's not really an edition is it? Not it's not any sort of edition, no. not now, no it's not, <laughs> it's an episode, it's an episode of True Cult Pop Reviews, this is part of the True Cult Pop podcast where we take an album that has just come out and we review it, it's me Stephen Hill, hope you're alright, hope you're good, hope you're having a nice morning, presumably you're listening to this in the morning, I say morning, that's when we're recording it, mm. and that's why... We've given let Gaz Jones do his actual day job, which he is wont to do. Ridiculous. And I know, pathetic. Imagine having a job. Oh, God, could he have a music journalist? <laughs> um, I've got Sam Slight here instead. Hey, to talk about an album that we're going to talk about. How you doing, mate? I'm all right. I, I, I don't know if it was just me that misheard you, but I swear you just said, I've got Sam Slight here. He's dead. I, no. I'm not. I'm here. <laughs> I'm I? clogging up the main feed, but uh, I'm not dead. Ed Wood, maybe, but, uh, you know. <laughs> Ed, Wood, Ed Wood, more like. Oh, like Morecambe and Wallace, oh. honestly, but uh, there's no mm. Dead Wood. And another one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know who the other one is. Yeah. Anyway, look, uh, I did, I, he's not dead. No. Um, sorry about that. So if not I did now. say that, I don't know what fucking possessed me to say that you're dead. You're not dead. Maybe. Uh, he's not dead. Hey, hey, listeners, tweet at Steve. Let him know what you thought he said. What did I say? I wonder. I'll listen back to I'm it. I'm pretty I sure you said it instead, wasted. but yeah. Let, let's not dilly-dally, shall we? I think we've got... Oh, yeah, it would have been instead, wouldn't it? talk about instead. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler. Look. Fucking shut up. We're going to be talking about today, Code Orange, the above, the fifth studio album from the Pennsylvanian-based metallic hardcore crew. I don't really know what to call Code Orange anymore. Mm. Not going to lie. I don't know what to call them anymore. I've said metallic hardcore crew. <sighs> doesn't feel like that is correct actually I mean, when it, i think it feels like that's kind of been what you would have called them in 2016 well yeah yeah absolutely i was gonna say i feel like that's been selling them short kind of since forever really i mean i think one of the great mm. things about code orange as you know you have uh, established over many years of podcasting is the fact that they are so versatile and really really difficult to um put into a neat little box or subgenre really i mean listening to this album it, it's even harder than it was on say underneath because i think broadly rock but it covers rock it covers so many different aspects of rock and metal and other things as we will get into um yeah hard, hard to pinpoint them they're a band with so many idiosyncrasies uh they just get more and more frustrating to to put into a, a section of hmv i imagine yeah i know i mean i think they can still go in the metal section in hmv yeah, oh no I I, I, get I, to. i've been on reddit and apparently they've sold out so they're not metal are they yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah you shouldn't. The metal section in HMV with those people would just be one. It would just be a copy of Ace of Spades by Motorhead, who didn't even self-identify as a metal band. Yeah, we are Motorhead. So those people and we are, play rock and roll. So those people are stupid. Anyway, this is a follow-up to their 2020 masterpiece, mm, mm. Underneath. Now, obviously, I've talked a fair bit about that album and how, for me, it kind of represents everything that I would want heavy music to be and have been in the 2020s it's kind of um energetic and vital and forward thinking but also very obviously clearly linked back to the past of metal kind of cherry picking the best bits of the most exciting genres of the moment whilst also paying lip service to the very very best bands that inspired them to make this type of music in the first place with um catchy bits anthemic bits bits that are kind of edgy and weird and you know 
beautifully over the top. I mean, one of the things I will say about Code Orange that I've seen is a criticism, which always, always, always makes me scoff, <laughs> like, ha, 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 you complete idiot, is metal fans telling Code Orange that, oh, look how, look, look how they dress. Look at, the, look, at the, look at the way they look. I'm sorry, but there's two things, right? Number one, metal's meant to be, metal bands are meant to be larger than life, mm-hmm. OTT, loud, big, bombastic. So what's the fucking problem with bands represent, you know, if you'd gone back to the, the 90s and looked at Typo Negative, or if you looked at, you know, I'm not allowed to be nice about it, now, Marilyn Manson, people go, oh, look at Trent Reznor in his leather trousers. Like, I'm sure people did say that, but they were probably listening to, you know, fucking... Uh, Betty Boo. They probably weren't listening to Betty Boo, but they were probably they, they probably were they were probably listening to Suede or something. They were even Suede, like Brett Anderson, dressed sort of you know camply. Mm. So I just think, well, that's I don't know where it got to the point. You know, I know it got in the two thousand got to the point where metal bands were like, I've got a pair of Vans and some black jeans and a black t shirt and I have an asymmetrical haircut. Look at me, I'm in a metal band. Mm. That was boring. That was boring. I don't want that to be boring. Second of all. If you like metal and you dress like you like metal, you can't slag off how anyone dresses because you dress worse than the worst dressed homeless person. I could literally take you to the heist to like LA and walk you down all the homeless people in LA and they'd all be dressed better than you in your battle jacket with your big fucking insect warfare patch on the end and your, your, your scraggly beard and your long hair with your high hairline and your jeans that are all ripped and fucked and don't fit you. You and look awful. Like metal fans, you look awful, <laughs> right? You, Code Orange, definitely look better than you. Oh, definitely. You look awful. You look, you're dressed as a pirate, mate. You're dressed as a, as a fat pirate with on a budget. You look terrible. Like, let's not slag off a band for how they look when you look like the worst dressed person on the face of planet earth come on that always drives me mad i i, I understandably so as i well i, I think you've established um <laughs> i can to some extent see where people uh, have maybe tried to level a criticism at code orange for their aesthetic i think on the last album uh, underneath obviously they were going for I mean, it's reductive to say, but a Matrix aesthetic. Let's just go with that, shall we? But as you say, there's nothing wrong with that. It's something distinctive because no other bands are doing Mm. that these days. I mean, for better or worse. I mean, to be honest, I don't think I'd want to see other bands trying to do that because I don't think they'd do it with the the style and the nous that Code Orange did. Um, And I think, again, they've managed to reinvent themselves with this album in an aesthetic manner, the way they are presenting the material that's coming forth. I think it's really cool. There's an entire package to it. It's not just, oh, here's a single. In six months, you'll get an album. And then, I don't know, we might play The Dome as a special one-off show. See you later. Got nice jeans on. <laughs> yeah. That's it. It's not <laughs> yeah. that. They, look they how look stupid Code Orange. Yeah. Look, look how stupid. Yeah, they look like they're doing the Matrix of the 90s. They're looking like an old. They've already done that. We saw that's, all, that's so done. Hey, <laughs> have you heard the new? Have you heard the new? Oh, fucking insert retro mm. thrash band in here. Well, them and their curly hair and their fucking cut off denim jacket. Fuck yeah, off. Nah, yeah. I'm not having what that. What they're doing they're is original, cos- isn't it? Yeah, big time. Yeah. Like, don't slag off. If you think 
a band are like cosplaying something like it feels like in metal it's socially acceptable to cosplay the 80s yes. you know, no one slags off municipal waste look at municipal waste with their stew and they look like they look like shit but like, i love i love the music of municipal mm. waste but they look like shit like let's be honest like you, you're not coming to my wedding <laughs> not that i'm getting married but you're not coming to my wedding just like that but if you come to my wedding just like code orange i would go they've made an effort yeah, fair play they're standing out. If anything, maybe trying to, you know, kind of divert attention away from you and the the blushing bride. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Peacocking, I believe they call I it. I believe so. they do. Yes, I think that was the word yeah. I was struggling for there. Yeah. So. Geez. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's best. by the by a little bit. So that kind of annoys me. And also, as well, they sort of change with every album, don't they? Oh yeah. Like they've kind of their look sort of evolves every album. And now you've got, um, uh, you know, Jamie with bleach blonde hair and wearing white, which is something that he wouldn't have done before. It seems to be like a very clear, oh, look, we're going to go for this kind of general general look to go along with the album, which goes along with the music, which which I think is, I think that's interesting. I don't think, you know, bands used to do that all the time and they sort of don't anymore. So I'm glad that Code Orange do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Faith No More changed their look pretty drastically with each mm -hmm. album and those albums were kind of genre reinventions as they went on. Brilliant. David Bowie, obviously, for a more contemporary one. Creeper. Creeper are doing it as well. Mm -hmm. I think it's great. I think it just, it helps sell it as a whole package. And I know that that's, you know, that's quite a sort of cynical way to, to talk about music, but there's, there's an experience to it. You know, I'm not talking about it in terms of revenue or getting magazine covers. It's just, it, it makes it feel like something a bit more special than just an album coming out. It makes it feel more of an event. Like, like when Slipknot unveil a new set of masks. That's a talking yeah. point before you've even heard a second of music. The overall... The record is the main crux of an overall thing, mm. right? The videos, the look, the stage show, the album artwork, all of that stuff. I think if you are a, like really good bands agonize over that stuff, mm. you know, really good bands do agonize. And I feel like Code Orange really do that. And I think, look, I mean, I think already I've probably established the fact that I like this band mm. over the years. I like this band a lot. Yeah. And... I think the funny thing about Code Orange is, is going all the way back to hearing Love is Love back in sort of 2012. Um, uh, I was like, oh, cool. You know, I was really into very, very sort of underground hardcore at that mm. point. If you remember, if you used to listen to me on the Old Metal Hammer podcast, you'd have heard me talking about heights and Brotherhood of the Lake mm. and all those kind of things and getting very enthusiastic. And so I heard that and I was like, oh, this band are like... They're, they're another they're an, you know one of the american scene from all those bands great and then i am king came out a couple of years later when i was I was on team rock radio but i was really desperate to hear kind of really heavy really really i was like, i would go home from work after playing i think i've said this loads of times before after playing you know fucking blackstone cherry uh, white snake and blackstone yeah. cherry for three hours and then i'd just be like i want to hear something which is just crushing mm. absolutely crushing and i am king came out and it felt really exciting and you know it was crushing it was brilliant and so you know i was and, and at that point i was i would say a fan and interested in them but not like oh these guys are about to take it to you know the, the the next step of being like the best band mm. when forever came out it was my album of 2017 um and i wanted something which was that had that ambition but was still really really fucking heavy that was the sort of thing i wanted and that's what they gave me um with all the kind of melodic choruses and the very very catchy bits that are in there and yet still it was it was a hardcore album and it was really extreme and when underneath came along i thought i want something which in metal which is completely different and 
you know, really wild and really unusual, but also, again, crucially, has those hooks. And I think that's what Underneath had. And it's weird, you know, to kind of praise Code Orange as much as I do has made me, I've sort of gone, right, I'm going to have to go into this, like, I'm going to have to kind of pussyfoot around this a little bit because I know that people listening will know how enthusiastic I've been, particularly about the last two records. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing is, is that Code Orange seem to do what I want them to do. Every time they release an album, it's like, I sometimes feel like I'm in the band. Because when I hear (laughs) it, I go, yeah, yeah, that's what I would have done. Yeah, that's what I would have done as well. And um, after Underneath, and I think... No band got a shittier deal than Code Orange no. because of the pandemic. No, 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 no. Like, it literally was the week before. It was on my birthday yeah. that album came yeah. out. And, you know, I was supposed to have a party the next week. The fucking world was shut down. Yeah, the following Friday, that, everything closed. Like, everything closed. Yeah, and it just totally overshadowed everything. Mm. Um, and so they didn't get the chance to tour it. They probably, I'm sure, would have come over to down, play it to download, like, when those songs were really kind of fresh in everyone's brains. Yeah. I think, you know, you would have seen them on, you know, the the, the stuff that maybe Turnstile did on Seth Meyers or whatever. You know, they did, you know, they did do stuff. It's not like they didn't do anything. Mm. They did loads of things. But I just feel like you can't remember many albums from that period, even the really, really good ones. And I think it says quite a lot about under, Underneath and how great Underneath was, that that is one of the ones that you do go, oh, yeah, Underneath, that was like the first sort of lockdown album. Mm. But even that, I think it still stalled it a little bit, which is a shame because for me, it, it is the best. It's the best heavy release of, well, a long time. A really, really decades, I think. Yeah, it's, it's one of the very, very best albums of the 2020s, no shadow of doubt. I mean, it is absolutely incredible. Um, and yeah, I suppose... Yeah, had the momentum stalled somewhat with Code Orange? I don't know. I mean, we were talking about when we saw them at, um, well, we reviewed Outbreak Festival, their first UK show since the release of Underneath. And it does feel Mm -hmm. like over here, the kind of, I don't know, I mean, maybe I'm just not looking far enough or maybe I'm looking in the wrong places, but it feels like the appetite for Code Orange has, has waned somewhat, which when I go back and listen to Underneath, it's like, how can you not just want more and more and more and more from this band? They are fucking incredible. And like you say, they do such a brilliant job of reinventing themselves and introducing these new elements without throwing the baby out with the bathwater. So I think where I Am King is this brutally savage um, hardcore album. You've then got the glitchy electronics that kind of, well, not even creep in, are introduced on forever and done fantastically. And then you get an even further kind of nine-inch nailsy um, level of groove that's brought into the, the weird um, industrial feel of, of underneath. And I think it marries everything together so perfectly. So why people aren't, you know, chomping at the bit for this album. Although, like I say, maybe I'm looking in the wrong places, but um, it feels like over here, Code well, Orange's stock may have dropped a little bit. Is that unfair to say? Well, no, and I think it's I think it's it's unfair for people to 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 say that and to think that. But I don't I don't I think that is a real thing. Mm. Um, but then I think again, it depends on. I mean, I don't really believe in sort of echo chambers or whatever, but I do think Out for Bloods came out in 2021. Yes, right as a standalone single and i think out for blood is cool i don't think it's as good as the stuff on underneath and i don't think it's as good as the majority of the stuff on the above hence why it's not on one of their albums mm. hence why it was you know a song to essentially get them on the radio really i think mm. it's a song that you know um that was there to kind of 
take them to a few different places and expose them to a few a bunch of different people and you know machine Ed have done that mm-hmm. um over the years and i and I, i'm always a bit like when people write bands off on the strength of one song like so people, oh that, right they're a new metal band now right that's it they're a new metal band and it's like have you not listened to anything that they've done prior to this because even you, you pick you can't pick one song from any of their albums and go that song is representative of the entire direction that they as a band are now going to take so for them to release like a three minute standalone single and people go oh right that's it that's what every song's going to sound like going forward from now on it was just like it's so mad and I saw somebody say on our Twitter was going, have Code Lawrence lost it already? You think already? They've been going 11 years now. I mean, Metallica were releasing load at this point in their career. God, yeah. When you put it like that, fucking like, hell, yeah. We were going, oh, well, this new band, you know, Metallica, it really need to establish themselves, don't they, with uh, with this load album. <laughs> oh, they've lost it already. What the fuck are you on about? Like, mm. already? They've been around for fucking ages and they've done loads of stuff. Uh, the fact that they continue to pick up new fans and they continue to do new things and they continue to expose themselves in new areas. If you'd have gone back to like, I am King and gone, this band are going to one day work with Billy Corgan. <laughs> you go, well, that's absolutely mad, yeah. isn't it? That's completely, completely mad. Um, but, you know, here we are. That's that's what they're doing. Absolutely. Um, you know, Steve Albini, I w- probably would have, expected steve albini steve albini isn't as surprising because steve albini will do it work with anyone he'll do anything yeah, yeah, yeah. he'd do it if me and you decided to do it if we had enough money we'd say steve albini will you record me and sam's poker project and he'd do it yep. patreon.com forward slash true court pop let's uh get that off the ground <laughs> i think and then and then when we get asked a question what's your favorite album steve albini's worked on we'd be able to say it's that. still mccluskey uh, dallas but yeah <laughs> we're, we're just not as good dallas. as Falcus, that's the problem <laughs> yeah it's a problem it is a problem for a lot of people mm. um so yeah so all of the kind of the hoo-ha and whatnot in the the build-up to this i was just like i say all the hoo-ha it's not really a lot of hoo-ha, is it, really? It was no. just a few people grumbling on the internet going, oh, they're a new metal band now. They're doing this now. And, you know, that's stupid. That's a stupid thing to say. That's a stupid thing to say. And, you know, I, look, I, I'm not going to kind of sit here and overplay my relationship with, with Jamie, but I have a pretty good relationship with Jamie from Code Orange, and I chat to him now and again, mm. and he'll... I'll say, oh, how's it all going on and stuff? And he'll go, oh, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And he'll go, don't tell anyone. And I never have, Jamie, if you're listening. I never have. Um, <laughs> you won't even tell me. So I won't. And um, so, you know, all of your secrets are safe with me if you choose to share them, which is absolutely up to you. But um, but I'm always like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. That makes sense. What the, the sort of thing he's saying, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And it it doesn't correlate with this whole, oh, they're just trying to sell out and do wrestle metal and blah, blah, they're doing this now. Like, I think that's, that's a very sort of surface level. That People who say that, I think, I think that says, I, I think I said this again with Underneath, it says more about you and your lack of knowledge mm. of outside, of genres outside of metal that you go straight to kind of, wrestle metal and like i saw someone saying they sound like godsmack now fuck or something yeah, and i was just like what are you on about if, if I mean, there's a godsmack album that sounds after. this good then fucking hell send it my way because this send it over like fucking sully Erna. yeah 
Yeah. Um, but saying that, like, I mean, were you a bit trepidatious going into this record at all? Because underneath is big, right? When it, it was like amazing, big, brilliant record. And it's hard, it's hard to follow up something that you love that much. I think I was a little bit cautious. I mean, I certainly wasn't one of the people who was going like, oh God, this is what they're going to sound like now when Out for Blood came out. Um, I'm still not mad on Out for Blood, to be honest, but you know, it's it's their band. They can experiment with whatever form they like. I've warmed to it compared to when it first came out. When it first came out, I was like, what have they done here? Like, this is not for me, but it's a standalone track. Um, I, I didn't really know what to expect. And I think as we sort of go through this track by track, as I assume we're going to do, um, I think I did have a preconception of the Code Orange album we were going to get, and that has been completely shattered. But looking at the kind of pre-release teasing they were doing, so there was that um, clickbaity video of, you know, uh, Code Orange, you know, destroys music critics or whatever. Mm -hmm. I remember watching that, and to be honest, my reaction was, I've just watched 11 minutes of this kind of slightly tame kind of take on a snuff film that ends with a still shot of Jamie in a death mask and this song behind it. I was like, well, it's quite annoying that I've had to wait all this time and not really see anything happen. But then I got a song at the end. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Was that not just funny for them though, uh, to make you wait that And long? that's absolutely fine. That is absolutely fine. <laughs> I was just, yeah, I was a little bit shirty. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, come on. I've waited for like three minutes of music. Oh, but then that's just the age we live in, isn't it? Instant gratification. We're all so impatient. It is. It is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. And as soon as I heard that song and then they released it as the double A side equivalent, uh, Green Mile Replacement in the game, listened to them once and I was like, right, I'm back in. I cannot fucking wait for this album. I think this is going to be another brilliant Code Orange album. And I didn't listen to anything else until I was sent the stream for this album. So all of it, bar one listen of those two songs, is totally fresh for me. I, I suppose I went in with expectations, but of a level of quality, not necessarily what we were going to get. Um, was I cautious? Yeah, maybe because I didn't want to kind of end up talking about this album and think, well, it's not as good as Underneath, is it? Which, you know, I mean, is a, a, a very, very high bar. Were you cautious about it, Yeah. Steve? Well, not really, because I, I, I feel like I had reasons to not be that cautious about mm. it. And I think kind of, like I say, I, I, I would text Jamie back and forth over the sort of, period and he would say like this is sort of what we're going to go for i reckon and i was like okay well i believe that you can that they can do that mm. and i mean i guess the big kind of money shot question that you're all wondering is is this better than underneath is that the question that we're, we're going to have to answer because uh I'm, i might have to swerve that and say it's different i think the jump between forever and underneath was spectacular mm. i think the jump from i am king to forever was pretty fucking spectacular i think you reach a you know when when you've when you've touched the sky you can't punch through to the next thing right like underneath is as good like i say as any heavy music album you, you would chuck my way mm. i think in the last decade decade and a bit decade plus right so i think expecting that jump again is is ridiculous it's impossible it's not going to happen yeah. like i think they reached they reached a peak and i think underneath is that good that i think all they can try and do is either replicate that peak or do something else mm. and 
I don't think they've tried, although this still does sound like Code Orange and it has a lot of the elements of Code Orange, I don't think, I think they've quite cleverly, and I think the best bands do do this, they haven't really tried to replicate that album at all. I think you could look at everything they've done as it went on and you get to underneath and you go, all of this feels like a build and a continuation to that point. This, to me, feels like we now have an established sound. Let's see if we can do something different with mm. it, a.k.a becoming a, being a hardcore band and turning into basically like a rock a rock band with some pantery riffs now the thing that i said before about what i loved about underneath you know and it, it brought in <clears throat> some of that experimental hip-hop stuff that i really love the jpeg mafias the you know the clippings the death grips the injury reserves all that kind of stuff like i think that's something which a lot of um sort of metal publications that reviewed that album they just went, oh, it's like Slipknot. And then you go, actually, it's more like Helmet, but mixed with Clipping, right? Like that actually is what it, oh, oh it's like Slipknot, you know, like this, that's, a really e that's a really easy and it's a comparison for someone who has a very narrow frame of reference, I would say. Mm. And I think, again, I wonder if this time around the comparison will be, oh, it sounds like, Smashing Pumpkins meets Pantera, mm. but with a bit of Nine Inch Nails chucked in. And that is what I, I'm i going to assume a lot of the comparisons are going to be. Now, where what I think is good about this album, um, although I wouldn't, if you'd have told me this three years ago, I probably wouldn't have thought it was good. But what I think is good about this album is all of those kind of experimental hip hop, all of those kind of um, modern glitchy electronica parts have been toned down. And I think the reason for toning those things down are essentially, as much as I like all that stuff, it's not actually very commercially successful. No. Like no. a lot of, you know, I mean, <laughs> there's bits of like Aphex Twin on the last one. You think like Aphex Twin is one of the few of those, those artists who can play to like a lot of people, mm. right? But ultimately that kind of, that kind of broken beat, like when, when, when I talk about the artists that I like from that scene, or Tekra and, um, you know, Flying Lotus and uh, Square Pusher and stuff like that. Like, they're not big. They're not, you know, they're not playing Wembley Arena or anything like <laughs> yeah, that. Square Pusher's right. not going to headline all points he's to see. No, you're not going to go and see fucking uh, Fortet at the O2. Like, that's not going to happen, right? So those artists aren't very big. Mm. Equally, we saw Death Grips headlining Outbreak, and there's a lot of people there. Yeah. But Death Grips, like are one of the bigger ones of those particular bands. Like I saw Clipping play to like one and a half thousand people. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I would imagine Clipping would be massive. I saw Algiers, you know, I saw Algiers in front of fucking no one. I know they're a bit of a different band, but like, you know, most of those artists, they're not actually that big. Not actually like, you know, backwash and, you know, they're not big. They're not big in the same way as like, you know, Nine Inch Nails mm. and Slipknot and System of a Down and Smashing Pumpkins are big. So I completely understand Code Orange, who've recently been out on tour with Korn. They've recently been out on tour with System of a Down. Uh, someone else they've been out on tour with. It's Slipknot, isn't it? They've been out on tour with Slipknot. They're playing arenas. They're playing these massive fucking festivals. They're playing massive arenas. And they're probably going, well, we should be the next in line for that, mm. right? And they should. And they absolutely should. So I think they've gone, okay, it's not a compromise, but that's what we want to do. What do you change and how do you change it to make those songs 
you know, like everybody talks about doing a black album. Everybody talks about, oh, Metallica, you know, we have to kind of ape Metallica. And most people's idea of doing a black album, of, of going for that kind of, you know, that big arena metal thing is to really is to make it really radio friendly and really really kind of tone it down but still but make it like you know that kind of wrestle metal thing mm. and i think there are a couple of things in here that, that i go oh that would actually sound all right on a wwe pay-per-view i don't necessarily think that's an insult not at all Do you know what i mean it's, I, know it's an, I know it's an insult in the in the eyes of some people but you know there are there are a lot of good songs that get played at wrestling fucking rolling the triple h motorhead theme tune the cult of personality by living color uh, like you know there's loads of like alter bridge like i think all of those songs are really good um so it's not necess- it's not like it's not it's not fucking like it has to be sh- oh if wrestling fans like it it has to be shit like no 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 that's 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 ridiculous that's completely ridiculous um but i think yeah for me like taking all of the um the really really harsh quite alienating stuff mm. that would alienate a metal audience and turning it into something i'm not going to say softer but more more alt rock more kind of 90 sounding yep. splitting that atom a little bit which is what they do on this record i think actually is you know a, a pretty a pretty smart move on their part which is basically what this album does i think yeah absolutely and i think yeah i think they have done it brilliantly spoiler sort of before we go through it in 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 real depth but um actually you saying all that makes me think of the other baffling criticism that i see leveled at code orange and it's like why is it a problem that they want to be a big band what's wrong with them having ambition yeah. and wanting to be mm-hmm. fucking massive i mm-hmm. don't have a problem with that at all if you've got the quality to back it up you turn to whatever genre you feel that you need to to get to the places you want to and um yeah they they have that quality in spades yeah what i want is a band to make an album in metal which is going to appeal to lots of people and it not sound like sempaternal yeah <laughs> yes that's that's what i want more than anything and that's you know like i talked about you know cuz people don't say that about architects like the last architects album is you know is clearly like and i like it mm. you know i've spoken about how much i like that last architects album because it is i mean i think this is artistically speaking far better but this sort of has its cake and eats it i think the criticisms labeled at the last architects album oh it's really simple and it's stupid and it's like dunderhead it's like yeah 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 yeah. but those songs are fucking catchy right so if you didn't like that then i mean this is not just this is not simple. It's not straightforward. No. It's not one note. It's not. Do you know what I mean? There's lots of things going on. I would say um, the the criticism of Code Orange that used to be like, oh, it's just like stuff from the '90s. This probably is the majority of the stuff is stuff that you would go. That sounds like it's been inspired by bands who peaked in the '90s. Yes, I do think that. That's the that's probably this is probably the first time that that as a and is that a criticism? I mean, is that even a criticism? Oh, this band sound like the nineties. Oh, sorry, you're only allowed to sound like the eighties. <laughs> is that sorry? Oh, sorry, you're metal. You're only if, if you rip off the eighties or the seventies in metal, that's fine. If you, you know, if you're if you're Green Lung and mm. you just play like Black Sabbath, that's fine. Great, good for you. But if you try and do type a negative and Pantera and, and Machine Head and type yeah, a, and yeah. Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and the Sneaker Pimps and Porter Z and Tricky, a massive attack. No, no, no. It just sounds like the nineties. I, again, 
a total lack in consistency in the in the in the criticisms. But anyway, we're we're kind of reviewing we're reviewing the criticisms <laughs> rather than the actual album yes. at this point. Which I but I think it's you know it's all context for why I'm kind of pre I'm preempting the haters basically. Ah, fuck, uh, fuck anyone who fucking hates. Fuck. I was loving this album because this album's fucking astonishing. It's great. This album is great. Like I say, is it better than underneath? I think it's really hard to say let's, that it is. I mean, I, st- I still end, think... I think. Let's yeah. come to that at the end. All right, sweet. All right, the opening track is Never Far never far Apart. And this, I think, it sets the tone for exactly what I was talking about, about splitting it out. Mm. Because, you know, it's got that Nine Inch Nails. Um, Jamie's doing that kind of part mechanical, grunted, whispered, mm. like, through gritted teeth vocal, which I think is great. Yep. You know... It sounds all sort of dirty and grimy and like a kind of, yeah, like a cross between the kind of earlier material that Code Orange have done and that kind of Night Nails thing. And then it just all stops and that piano part comes in and there's Reba sounding, you know, energetic mm. and melodic and floaty and, you know, marshmallowy. And it's really cool. The dynamics are really, really strong. Those dynamics have always been there. They've always just been smushed together mm. as one, or they swerve and twist and turn like a fucking blind alley that you're like, like a like a like a rat in a maze. <laughs> Whereas now it's very clearly two different things, and they're completely separate. And yeah, it sounds like it's been highly influenced by Nine Inch Nails, way more than a Slipknot or a you know the kind of metalcore comparison mm. to the past. But that as night that as a, as a thing. The, here, here are the two separate parts of this song. I think it's a really good way to let people know that, yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be this. I think it, it's a really clever and a really bold way to open the album. I think because I think it is. You're absolutely right. The most explicit they've made it in in their careers to date that there are these separate sides of Code Orange. Um, and I think the way they kind of establish that sound and then reconstitute it back over the course of the album where they do kind of smush, smush it more together i think it's really cool it gives you a little taster and it also gives you um <laughs> a very very apparent uh flag to say this is not going to be forever or underneath part two this is going to be its own uh different beast and we are going to take a different tack on this um and what i think it plays into the strengths of both of the the front persons of the band because you're right jamie doing that kind of low drawl it's like yeah he does the menace and then reba brings in the beauty and i think both of them as we'll discover across the album just keep getting better as vocalists and so much more um i don't want to say confident because i think if there's one thing that code orange uh, aren't lacking it's confidence but there's something about their performance as they go on where they just seem so much more comfortable in the personas that they're kind of putting across just as performers and you get so much personality out of every little intonation they bring to it i think yeah it, it's a great way to open the album and it it might even be my least favorite track on it because i think it just keeps really? getting better and better and better yeah i i really i when i put that on i was like wow that is i mean the thing is again is that when i put their albums on the last two times i've always gone the first time i hear it i've gone oh bloody hell mm. and i did think to myself i was like i i can't imagine i'll do that again and i did mm. and i think that's obviously a really really good sign i think again fear of cruelty is a really really interesting song mm. to open with these two songs i think is really really interesting because you've got this almost lo-fi electro indie aesthetic thing which again i think there are a few modern hardcore bands that have sort of 
dip their toe near that Go a on, bit. Say it. Say the turnstileification of hardcore. The turnstileification <laughs> of hardcore. But I actually don't even really mean turnstile because no. turnstile are are more kind of eighties, you know, mm. kind of neon pink, Duran Duran, driving a Ford Mustang alongside Laguna Beach or something, eight mm-hmm. bit like sort of thing. Whereas I think this is much more like amnesiac era radiohead spiritualized like british indie bands who took a little bit of not kasabian obviously <laughs> like like a bit of sort of electric like a kind of a touch of sort of there was a point in sort of british indie music around the sort of late 90s into 2000s the kind of kid a era where quite a lot of bands started trying to do um you know that sort of warp records thing mm. right that kind of uncle and all that kind of stuff they started doing that and that sort of that 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 initial sound which filtered into sort of indie bands then being filtered down into a hardcore band 25 years later is is a really kind of interesting thing to do and then to just go actually we're now going to go full fucking metal. <laughs> the breakdown at the end of this is crushingly heavy. That live now, die later, you're part of something greater as a mosh call. I mean, that yeah. people are going to get hurt if they're not careful because that is fucking mm. humongous. But actually, um, I think you, you're talking about the kind of incorporation of those scuzzier sounds. I'm hesitant to say grungier because I think that implies a certain yeah. tone to it, which I think does appear across the album, but it doesn't necessarily show up on Theatre of Cruelty. But that kind of dirty electronica is here used as a bed like you say they've kind of paired it back a little bit and i think having it as this collage of a wall of sound that acts more as percussion rather than being at the forefront like on something like swallowing the rabbit hole or erasure scan off the last album i think that's a really smart move and Mm. a cool incorporation of what they're doing in a different vein like taking from these other influences like you say there's just these this vast pool of influences that they've always taken from and i think well you can certainly say more so than me but there's a hell of a lot of artists and reference that i think many many people will miss i mean there's stuff on here that it reminds me of bits and bobs that i can't quite put my finger on and i think that's really exciting i mean i'd be very interested to see the liner notes if if they were willing to kind of reveal their influences across this record but theory of cruelty mm. i think again i i still feel on these first two tracks we are establishing what's going to happen before it really kicks in but i mean fine by me yeah i'm yeah i'm definitely two for two i think it's a very mm. very intriguing way to open the record and a, like both the songs are very good i think you get take shape which has mr william patrick corgan was released as a single so you might have already heard that one um i think this is good this is a big stompy industrial banger i mean again look you know this does sound fucking 90s as fuck to me it does sound very you go like all the things here sound quite 90s i think it's it's really good i think it's got a bit of corn sort of ow and ah <laughs> in some of the vocal bits in the middle but you know but again like i don't mind that um as a single it completely makes sense and i like to hear billy corgan like uh, you know look i like the smashing pumpkins a lot yes I don't know. I know there there will be people who there might be people who listen to Code Orange who are like Smashing Pumpkins, but come on, mate, the Smashing Pumpkins are fucking brilliant, and 
they're not necessarily brilliant because of Billy Corgan's voice. Mm. Although I actually do quite like Billy. Again, Billy Corgan, very, very instantly recognisable voice. Mm -hmm. And I think anything that makes something stand out, anything that makes something idiosyncratic, anything that makes something seem like it is the work of... I mean, it's interesting you say about the influences and how you'd be interested to hear their influences. Because I never really hear Code Orange openly give up their influences. And I think they like how true this is i wouldn't know but like because they obviously will all be listening to music but i kind of think sometimes they're just like oh we listened to music when we were very young and now we're only really influenced by each other i remember interviewing the, the old drummer from discharge once and he went i don't <laughs> listen to music yes i don't listen to any music because if i do i'll be influenced by it so i just don't listen to it i just make it and i was like well okay that's i mean Thank you for your service. Yes, it's weird, that, but you know, I'm, I'm not saying Code Orange do that, but I don't think they they are quite an insular bunch of people who probably don't want to think too much about like what's trendy or what's cool or what. I, I think they just sort of, I think they do everything does feel like it's very inward looking, mm. and they are all influenced by what each other do. I think that's a very fair point. Um, I. I must say, Steve, I'm taken aback that you say, oh, this is very good. Because as I said earlier, I'd not heard this until I put the album on for the first time. And when Joe's dirty fucking bass comes in at the beginning, I was like, holy shit. And then I looked and saw that this was the track that is the big single. I thought, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And Steve, I think this is absolutely incredible, this song. I think if this song had been released somewhere in the kind of like 26 to 30 year ago range, this would be a rock club staple to this day. I think take shape is obscenely massive as a rock song it should be a a, a a rock club staple from now on it should be and i will i will campaign to the ends of the earth to it i'll write to my mp it's it's, oh, incredible. Yeah, it's incredible i think jamie firing on all melodic cylinders for that just gargantuan chorus brilliant it really took me back when i first listened to it and billy corgan came in for that acoustic break but i think having that um sort of pensive breather before those Hans Zimmer style massive uh, I don't know if they're timpani drums whatever you know huge amount of percussion brings it all back in with the bombast that you want from a really fucking big metal song I I think Tape Shape is a, a miniature masterpiece to be honest mate I, so I'm surprised you really, said yeah. very good I adore it and it's not my favourite track on the album so I'm going to get more well no that's later. the thing <laughs> is I do I think it's really really good I really liked it and when they released it as a single I was like yeah because I, I actually I have had this album since before so groom my replacement had come out when i got sent this and then but then i listened to it uh before this was uh, released a single mm. and i did hear billy corgan on it. i was like hello billy corgan there he is <laughs> and i remember being like yeah fucking hell great this is really really good but when i listened to the whole album i mean mate to be honest i think it's great mm. but it's not in probably not in my top three four songs on the record I, I would agree with that, but I think I'm just a lot more excited by it than, than you are, which I'm surprised by because I know how much you love Code Orange. But uh, yeah, man. Just, look, I've got to be, I've got to get, look, I, look I well, I'll tell you what. You're bored. I know you're all annoyed. I know some of you go, oh, you fucking like Code Orange. You're sucking up to Code Orange. You love Code Orange. Oh, everything Code Orange do. So I've got to be got to downplay everything a little bit so. i get it and when i was making my notes i did worry that you know i didn't want to come in and also join in the chorus of just uncritically praising everything they do so i tried for every single song to find something mm. where i could be like well okay hmm, maybe not this um i came up pretty short to be honest mate pretty short. yeah, yeah. 
Um, so the Master Sanity Slips is opened by Reba. It's got loads of typo negative and Alice in Chains mm-hmm. stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Again, pff, what's not to like about that? It has also got this incredibly harsh sounding Pantera-esque groove on it. This is the most, not even Pantera, but Dimebag Daryl yes. sounding record that Code Orange have ever done. I, I Like those... Partic- that this particular guitar tone and this particular thing they're doing with the guitars is so brilliant and this song manages to be melodic doomy and really heavy and when you get to that guitar freak out at the end it is massive and then you get this outro which is only about 30 seconds completely different from the rest of the song it's not really wild and glitchy like the last stuff they did again like you can kind of compartmentalize all of those bits and I'm not going to say, it sounds kind of damning with faint praise to say like, oh, it's quite easy to comprehend. You can clearly make out the different stages of the song, the journey mm. of the song. It's not like the last one where it would suddenly stop and then you'd be somewhere else and then you'd be back to where you were and then you'd be somewhere else again. And, you know, I loved, like I said, I loved that wild roller coaster ride. But this is like, okay, you, you know, you, you don't like that kind of thing. You don't like being chucked around too much. You want to you want to actually be able, you want to be able to follow this a kind of the the the, the structure of the song. Mm-hmm. We can do that, but we're also we're not going to kind of we're not going to sort of we're not going to throw any of the influences out. It's all still going to be there. It's just going to be compartmentalized in a different way. And I think it's really cool. I I mean I think maybe the reason why I was a bit like yeah, take shape is good is because I think the Master Sanity slips is fucking amazing and it actually gets <laughs> even better after that uh, it definitely gets better after that yeah Master Sanity slips um, great infectious chorus which is something you can say for pretty much every track on this album I mean the way they have wrangled hooks I, I don't think it's well maybe I'm maybe I'm assuming too much but Steve the best Code Orange song prior to the release of this album was The Easy Way right where they managed to blend those skyscraper yeah, so. choruses and melodies into that battering heaviness Basically, every every song on this album, I think, has a chorus worthy of um, of the easy way. Mm-hmm. I think The Mask of Sunny Slips absolutely does it. And it's interesting that you say um, this is the kind of most Pantera-y or dime-baggy sounding album. I completely agree. And I think on The Mask of Sunny Slips, there's that lovely, clean guitar tone that's just got a little bit of a kind of wavering kind of threat to it. It makes me think of Floods, which obviously is a fantastic mm. Pantera song. So I'm, yep, where are we now? Four for four. Yep, brilliant. Keep going. Four for four. Mirror is kind of a full-blown acoustic ballad that starts mm-hmm. strings as it opens i mean if you don't like that from your hardcore bands well unlucky sorry <laughs> but you do have lots of hardcore bands don't you you do have lots of hardcore bands you don't have many bands that can sound like pantera in one song and dummy by porter z in the next <laughs> you you don't have that at all i i love this there's always one moment i think like the easy way or you go back to bleeding in the blur i mean i think like um there actually were a few moments on underneath quite a few moments underneath where i was like oh, that's, would be another one. that's the one yeah. yeah like um there were a few uh and the title track as well which mm-hmm. i think has got some brilliantly melodic stuff in it but there's always one where you just go fucking hell they've done they've done it they've done this thing that they had been sort of threatening to do a mirror which got released as a single quite recently i believe in fact i'm going to double check exactly when that I think was it's the most that was recent on the... single it's a, a few weeks back yeah six, 6th of september mm. it came out so it came out a few weeks ago um but i was like fuck me this is this is the thing you know when you go like what 
because again like i come into this being a committed code orange enthusiast i come in going where's the chink in their armor because i should point it out mm -hmm. i should i should point it out right and for me i was like okay i i suppose if there was a chink in the armor before it would have been the fact that i think it was all a little bit too nasty for people who liked hyper pop and you know um more kind of modern-y but like turnstile you can go oh yeah i'm into sort of you know modern indie mm -hmm. and hyper pop and alternative pop and that kind of stuff but i can get on board with turnstile because they're kind of cuddly they're kind of nice they're kind of like the banana splits or something like that they're like and they're good looking lads oh definitely and they're all kind of like very very um uh they've got their own thing their own again you know aesthetically they've got their own thing going, and it's all a bit more like wholesome mm -hmm. It's a little bit more wholesome, isn't it? And I was like, Code Orange aren't wholesome. Code Orange are not fucking wholesome. They are angry. They are nasty. They're vicious. And is that ever going to translate into the mainstream world at the moment where stuff is kind of nice, right? It's mostly about being nice. And I don't think Mirror is nice. No. I don't think it's like a fun song. You know, it's not fucking Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. Don't pick a song from... 10 years ago when you're talking about modern <laughs> ridiculous it's not um, padam padam by kylie <laughs> no it's not yeah. padam padam by kylie right but um but it is something that i think you could put on and people would be like oh that's beautiful mm. and I oh that's that's lovely you know that's that's kind of soaring and it's tugging at my heartstrings and it, it more than anything else i've ever done before mm. and again it's another string to their bow it makes me go okay well where does where can that go and it's not a, like a pussy song no. like i just compared it to dummy by porter Z. if you think porter Z are like wet wet yeah. or whatever they're fucking porter Z are fucking heavy yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah like thematically emotionally incredibly heavy and so it's not even like it's not heavy it's just it's a different kind of heavy and i um and yeah, I I think Mira's fucking brilliant. Really great. I think it is brilliant. I mean, as you say, it is a beautiful song, predominantly acoustic with those uh, orchestral arrangements all swirling around it. And I think that it seems, well, it's kind of hard to say that Code Orange have got an ace in a hole because there's a band who have so many idiosyncrasies and so many just unique characteristics to them that can only be Code Orange um, that they do better than anybody else who's even, even dared attempt. I think reba is still she is the the she is the ace in the hole in, in code orange's hand uh, she's absolutely incredible i think the tonality of her voice on this song in particular that first chorus it does remind me of that kind of i don't know late 90s early noughties sort of trip hoppy pop stuff that was going on where you would have i don't know the ubiquitous female vocalist as dave and krista at pop collaborating listen would put it it's so beautiful so much soul and so much gravitas in every single word that she speaks in it. I, and I think that, that in itself tells you that, no, this isn't just a band who just take from the 90s. They don't just sound like the 90s. They're not a revivalist band in any way, shape or form, like every other fucking metal band going. Um, they are completely forging their own path. And I think Reba's kind of spearheading that. And where we talk about like Bleeding in the Blur and Sulfur Surrounding and even Autumn and Carbine as you know, the kind of the slightly more melodic Reba-led songs, I think Mirror... Um, is it the best one, the best kind of Code Orange quote-unquote ballad that she's fronted? I think it might well be. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. I think so. But then, yep. you know, if if 
you're an arsehole and you do want to say oh they're really wet aren't they oh they're just making this like acoustic pop shit uh you then get a droning opt- opting out of the hive after it <laughs> yeah i know which is exactly what i was gonna yeah. say a, a literal thrash riff mm-hmm. modulated electro vocals industrial metal meeting again it's one of the few times that there is a touch of that experimental hip-hop thing i, th- I was a bit like oh that opening could be sort of death gripsy mm. um but it's mainly in the verses i mean i think this is one of the few songs i think it's great i, I really like it but i think it's one of the few songs where you go you could put that on one of their other albums. You could have put this on I Am King, this song. You could have put this on I Am King and it would be the best song on I Am King by quite a considerable margin. But I still think you wouldn't, like, you couldn't put Mirror on I Am no, King. No, no, no. People would go, hey, what the fuck? Where's that come from? That's weird. It would just come out of nowhere. Just come completely out of left field. Whereas I think this is Code Orange going, see, we can still do this mm-hmm. if we want. If we want to do it, we still can. And we can do it better than we used to do it. But we choose, we're choosing to do lots of other things, actually. <laughs> so don't, you know, so uh, don't I, slagging you off. I don't know that I agree that it could have gone on Iron King forever. Maybe I think if it had gone on Iron King, yeah, it, it maybe would, would forever, have stuck yeah. out like a sore thumb. And I think, as you say, been you know vastly over the rest of the bar in terms of quality. But um, yeah, it's great to hear Code Orange just do balls out heavy, loads of natural harmonics flying about, uh, absolutely obliterating chorus again. And you know, it's got the great uh, leads into the breakdown of tick 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 boom, and then it you know smashes mm. into it. Uh, which has, you know, established the mean feat of being better than both the Hives and Metallica is using Tick, Tick, Tick as a lyric. Yeah, and uh, and um, Kane Hill did as well, didn't they? Did tick, they? tick, tick, boom! <laughs> Whatever that song was, yeah. I can't remember. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, I Fly, now, mm. here's one. Here's, here's one for you 90s kids, because <laughs> uh, this is going to... This is this is this is a niche reference. Oh, um, do you remember the Spawn soundtrack? I don't no. remember it. I am aware. Of the Are you aware of it? Exists. Yes. Silverchair and Vitro on the so basically what it was they get rock like they did they, they, they tried to redo judgment the Judgment Night, Night thing, right, okay. where it was like hip hop artists and rock artists from the time, which was very very successful. They did it less successfully. Um, one of the main reasons they did it less successfully is because they got a lot of big name metal artists. So they got like Slayer, they got Metallica, uh, they got Marilyn Manson, they got uh, Korn, uh, they got Incubus, I think. Um, they got Silverchair, who were very big at the time. Uh, they got a lot of like sort of big mm-hmm. uh, rock artists. And they didn't get any big dance artists, really. I think they got Orbital and The Crystal Method. They put The Crystal Method with fucking filter you think well mm. you need someone if you'd have put the crystal method with slayer fine and atari teenage riot uh, weren't big at the time so whatever anyway i'm going a little bit off topic point is there's a song on that album um by silverchair and vitro vitro were kind of uk electronic band mm-hmm. uh who weren't very good i saw them supporting a did you yeah One of the many times you've seen a <laughs> Well, you the Reading Alley Kong. Cat in 1998, right? Oh, yeah. On a, Kerrang, on, a, well. on a Kerrang tour, I believe. And they were open Vitro. So they weren't big Vitro. Mm. If you're supporting an A in 1998, you ain't big. Oh. Oh, Jason <sighs> Sorry Perry. to break it to you, members of Vitro. <laughs> and, and members Dan of A. So, and yeah. members <laughs> of A, yeah. But you're not, right? And But anyway, Silverchair and Vitro had this song on the Spawn soundtrack. And I used to fucking love it. And it might, I haven't listened to it for a long time. Maybe it's rubbish, but I remember it in my head being this brilliant, like, 
this really brilliant kind of glitchy um bass heavy throbbing with loads of like electronic stuff which is like it's basically a heavy silver chair's heaviest song but with loads of like mad electronic shit going on as well but with a really brilliantly catchy chorus and this kind of daniel john's doing this kind of like back and forth tag team vocal thing and i fly this is a compliment by the way <laughs> really reminds me of that song really reminds me of that song I'll take your word for it. Um, for a reference that a few more people might understand, for me, no, yes, no, everyone knows this reference. Come knows on, silver chair in vitro, definitely, yes, um, definitely, big time. Uh, for me, again, another fucking brilliant chorus, and I think it's in the post-chorus. The um, I fly, I fly so high, dirty era, Alice in Chains, isn't it? The two of them, Jamie yeah. and Reba, harmonising like mm-hmm. Staley and Cantrell or Duval and Cantrell, whichever flavour you want to go for. Oh my. Gilly goodness. Stay in control. Yeah, definitely stay in control. But, you know, yeah. but give people the option. Some people might prefer the devil put dinosaurs here. They'd be wrong to do so. Yeah, idiots. Dirt. Imagine that. Uh, idiots. But Imagine going, you can have dirt or the. Anyway, we, we, this is long enough already. This oh, review, isn't it? Yeah, Just get on with it. Sorry. I'm not even halfway through. Yeah, are we really? Well, maybe just about halfway through. Yeah, huge dirt era vocals. Absolutely love it. And again, I think, like Take Shape, this is a, you know, a kind of a rock rock club floor filler i think i fly is excellent i think it kind of gnashes and swaggers its way through a really cool sleazy groove um yeah uh, where are we now eight for eight i don't know just i, I like it all we are seven for seven well, that- actually so we are actually at the halfway point so let's let's try and um kind of run through now you mentioned the easy way sam mm. which i think was the best song on underneath maybe the best song of code orange's entire career yeah. um the eighth song on the above is called Splint of the Soul, mm. right? And that is the new best Code Orange song. Ooh, I may have a counter to that, but I can totally see where you're coming from because the chorus on this, the chorus on this one, mate, that back down to the basement, screaming, I don't want to change. I don't want to change. I don't want it. That, that is massive. It is. By the... the you haven't even finished listening to it for the first time and you're singing along it is that massive it is yeah superb superb and i love where the second chorus ends with jamie just giving it that comp almost almost kind of like raps kind of scat thing that really choppy little mm-hmm. set of rhyming couplets absolutely brilliant yeah sprint of the soul uh, i'll say it's the second best song of code orange's career so far okay i okay i love this it's got mm-hmm kind of almost 80s boom bap hip-hop like rhythms to Mm. it it's got absolutely unquestionably that big dime bag dowel riff halfway through unquestionably pantera unquestionably pantera but the thing is is no one really does pantera anymore and i know this has been this thing where it's like oh were pantera actually any good because they're horrible aren't they bastard racists and all that they weren't actually good well look they were you can talk about (laughs) their politics and them as people but they were really good and like like, i'm sorry (laughs) i'm sorry but i'm not having that you can say like they're dickhead feels a racist and he's a like i'm i i and i won't argue with you and i can you can say i don't want to listen to it that's fine but let's not pretend like pantera weren't fucking fucking brilliant because they were and yeah man and no one else is doing that um yeah i love it i love this song mm-hmm. i think it's great it's they they put it in exactly the same place as easy way and i was <laughs> like i see what i see what's going on here i see what's going on like you know it's not repetition but it is like it's a nice kind of callback mm. i kind of like that when you get an album you go you knew what worked before 
you're doing a different thing, but some of the principles still remain in place. Um, the game and Grooming My Replacement were both released as the first single. So if you're interested in this album at all, chances are you've probably heard both of those songs. Yeah. Um, so I think we can do them together since mm-hmm. just for mm-hmm. time's sake. I think both of them are really good. Um, both of them are short, you know, like there's, there's a fair bit of length on... Um, it's not a long album. I mean, it's not a long album. Like, like, you know, The Master Stanley Slips is five. Yeah. yeah. And most of the songs are three and a half, four minutes long. Mm. Um, one's five minutes long. But there's a couple here, you know, uh, in the game and Groom My Replacement where they they both dip under three minutes. And I think you get, like, I think they release them because they're clearly the heaviest, most clearly metal mm. straight sounding songs on the record pretty much i mean the game's got some of those glitchy parts in it Mm. like it's one of the times where it does go that full kind of electro glitch grooming my replacement um is you know proper kind of driving grooving you know beer swigging metal i'm not sure either of them are actually brilliantly sort of brilliantly i don't think either of them are properly representative of the album as as full so when i heard them and i was like mm, these songs are really good but i was like there's gonna be more than this surely oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there there obviously there is there's a hell of a they're lot. both really really they're both really good but i think the fact that they're the first two songs released it's almost like a sleight of hand because i yeah. think they are i don't want to say they're two of the more unremarkable songs on the record because for what they are they're both really really great they're both brilliant at doing that thing mm. but i think actually they're probably two of the most Code Orangey sounding Code Orange songs on this record. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, by Code Orange's standards, they they arguably are a bit unremarkable just because they are the uh, the two tracks I think that most hark back to forever and underneath. So it is kind of something we've heard before from Code Orange. They still do it fantastically. I think the elastic riffs all over the game are brilliant. Let alone the kind of frenzied harmonic just freak out that introduces Groom My Replacement. They are great. I I would say that these two and arguably even a drone opting out of the hive i think when they go full heavy crush kill destroy battery they still do it brilliantly but i have already got some albums worth of that so i think these are the bits that i'm less drawn to but you know that that is trying to find a chink in the armor of of code orange generally it's just yes they've done it brilliantly before i i would like more personally i enjoy it when they focus more on things that they are haven't done before the things that they're forging into these new ideas that they're trying Mm. yeah i think that's fair enough Mm. i think that's fair enough um the last few songs i think now this is where this album gets really fucking great Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's like from this point on uh uh snapshot it does that that's very the start of that really was i was like that's proper death grips right that opening beat but then reba comes in and changes it into something completely different Mm -hmm. it's so funny how like it just goes to show how important a vocalist is because i think if you would have put mc ride on that you'd be like oh yeah and he wouldn't do what reba's doing but reba's doing something completely different and that kind of slinky melodic vocal um this is one of the ones that i think you could fit really easily onto a wrestling pay-per-view because that chorus mm. is so massive it's so instant it's so driving it's so catchy and there's a bit towards the end and i think it's about two minutes it was but not towards the end it's about two minutes in where it goes a bit spooky core. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It actually goes like in the in the wrong hands. This bit where it's all kind of cobwebs and, you know, whispered vocals mm. and, you know, 
atmospheric bits and bobs, right? In the wrong hands, that could sound like cold chamber. <laughs> that could sound crap. Yeah. Right? You, you, yeah. That could be embarrassing and cheesy and shit. And in the hands of Code Orange, it's not at all. It's actually just feels like a really cool little extra accoutrement. Mm. And I think, again, you mentioned Reba. Reba doesn't over-egg it. She doesn't make it cheesy. She doesn't make it feel like it's in character or it's like, oh, I'm, I'm spooky, aren't mm. I? It all feels quite real, even though it is clearly quite, I'm going to say theatrical. Theatrical. It's quite a theatrical. Bo- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mm. think this song, I mean, the final minute of this song is a bombastic orchestral arrangement over the, the you know, kind of quite electronic stuff that's been established before. Um, it was at this point, listening to the album for the first time, I was listening to this while I was setting up at work the other week when the, when the album came through, landed in my inbox. And work. Uh, idiot. Sorry, go yeah. on. <laughs> it's all right. Um, I had to <laughs> stand still uh, and just laugh. Not because the song is bad or ridiculous but because it just made me think yeah i like many many other people am a bit of a fucking fool because i thought oh i can still kind of second guess what code orange are gonna do i think i can still see broadly where this album's gonna go and snapshot just knocked me for six i was so wrong i think i'd become complacent i think i expected that i yeah knew code orange better than well better than i evidently do um uncompromising you know shit mate no 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 this is uncompromising it's wickedly inventive i think they've absolutely nailed it you're right i think reba's vocals are pitched perfectly across what could be a ridiculous song a ridiculous song in the wrong hands you're absolutely right uh but Mm. this is my favorite code orange song now i think snapshot is the best song they have released to date which is mad right yeah it could be like seen as almost like the most i don't know radio friendly or commercial sounding song on the album weirdly mm. yeah weirdly for for all the <laughs> mad shit that is thrown together in this steve albini engineered album you know that's self-produced by code orange i mean it's quite staggering that a song that can still be so abrasive and yet so beautiful and so madcap and just balmy but for me it just all ties together so so perfectly yep my favorite code orange song now until the next album presumably wow there we go. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought yeah. so. Um, yeah, it all uh, get to the end with the last couple. But a dream starts with a sort of quicksand or helmet type baseline, morphs into again some kind of tricky stroke massive attack thing, and then goes into sort of modern or like mid period melodic corn, but with a really massive chorus. I mean, I think that's fucking great. I think that's fucking great. Again a really nice amalgam of of things that i really like what's not to like mm. uh nothing from me i don't think there's anything not to like i think again they do this kind of robust and idiosyncratic thing with such elegance that i mean at this point even if the last track was absolute dog shit still got 13 basically perfect rock songs that have preceded it but luckily it is yeah I mean, the last one, the title track, which definitely goes for kind of Nine Inch Nails mm. sort of thing. Very kind of airy drums, tinkly piano. De- Jamie doing that, you know, a, a quite a Reznor-esque moan to croon, to scream, to whisper. But crucially, you know, you could go, oh, just trying to sound like Nine Inch Nails. And it's like, well, is it a good song or not? Is the song mm. actually good? And that last final cacophony with that, I think it's a violin 
Is it sort of mm. violin part that's happening in the background? It is so, fucking brilliant. A string like instrument. That, sort of, yeah. It's so brilliant. So, so brilliant. Mm. Um, yeah, man. I, 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 it's just, it's just great. Like, it's a really, really, like, bracing way to end the record and it is properly like it's a proper fucking mic drop by the end and it? it's like yeah go on follow follow that everyone else in mm. heavy music uh, yeah absolutely and it feel yeah and it feels like a, a real full stop as well because i love the fact that the last thing we hear on this album is that drone that opened up i am king in the first place it does feel you know as if they are mm. saying look this is how far we've come but we haven't forgotten where we're from we've just taken it to this absolutely unthinkable level if you think back to the first time you heard my world you wouldn't think that you'd get a band writing something as good as the above the album and the song um brilliant jamie crooning all over what is a kind of almost weirdly understated by the standard of this album finale um yeah i mean just 14 killer tracks i struggle to find any criticism i think the only criticism i could i could personally attribute to this album is that i think the heavy stuff I kind of already heard them do it before, but they still do it better than anyone else. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, um, I agree. I agree. It's just different. I mean, to go back to sort of the finality of this review, like I say, is it better than underneath? I think it's kind of a pointless comparison to make. I think it's, you know, basically a completely pointless comparison to make because underneath is, you know, a for me, a, a really a true kind of one-off, never to be repeated, um, certainly by them, uh, probably not by anyone really, but never to be repeated modern masterpiece in heavy mm-hmm. music. It's incredible. And I think all of the things here that I've said where Code Orange, it still sounds like Code Orange, the above. Still sounds like Code Orange. Still is kind of instantly recognisable as the genetic makeup of all the stuff that they have done before. But it's also still really different. The hooks are the biggest hooks they've pretty much ever committed mm-hmm. to tape. They are clearly happy to go yeah, we are going to try and appeal to more people. And if that means it's not quite as wild, it's not quite as extreme, it's not quite as heavy, then so be it, right? Ultimately, are the songs good? The songs are fucking mm-hmm. great on this record. They're really, really great. And it's not like, you know, when I think of the, the, the sort of comparisons with Pantera and Nine Inch Nails and Typo Negative, and even, you know, like I know people who like hardcore might go to a pussy but like even the bands who are outside of rock music at all tricky or massive attack or porter's head or sneaker pimps those aren't happy pop bands those aren't like you know easy listening or radiohead like you know those aren't easy listening bands those are still like deeply artistically challenging forward-thinking unique idiosyncratic bands from a a genre which you know is is not pop music there's 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 no pop music at all on this record i think even if if, so if you think that code orange have sold out i mean selling out to me would denote doing the, the the popular thing at the moment and none of this sounds like what's popular at the moment it sounds like it could be fucking massive because it sounds like it's a sort of an amalgam of things that have been popular in the past 
done with a, a modern twist to a incredibly high standard. But this isn't a pop album. This isn't like Code Orange Go mainstream or anything. I don't think it sounds mainstream. It just sounds... It's just not as sonically extreme as their previous yeah. records. And that's fine because the songs are fucking brilliant. I still think probably for for me, because it was such a jolt, Underneath will probably always be the album where you go, holy shit, that's, that's the magnum opus. If in 20 years time, you look back on Code Orange's career and you go, what was their best album i think i think underneath i think it'd be very difficult to imagine that underneath wouldn't be considered like their very 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 best album but then i know people who like the dark side of the moon more than they like the wall Hello. i like the wall yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you know but right there, there's no wrong no, answer no, 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 no. really like there's no kind of wrong answer to that for me anyone who picked <laughs> if you picked animals wish you were here the wall or dark side of the moon they're all really different and they're all fucking mm -hmm. brilliant and i sort of feel like like that about certainly maybe not forever as much i think forever is underneath did feel like a significant mm -hmm. jump i don't think this feels like the above doesn't feel like a jump forward from forever but it sort of feels like it's a pivot to something else and you know, who knows, in a year's time I might go, for my taste, actually, no, I do think the above is better. Um, but re because regardless, I think it's mm. brilliant. I think it's absolutely proper brilliant. And um, yeah, I've, I'm trying to be sort of measured and level-headed about this. But I do think, I do still think Code Orange are comfortably the best band in heavy music. Yeah. I, I don't think there's anyone who comes close, really, in terms of a band who have been consistently brilliant across so many albums. Obviously, there are really heavy bands that we have spoken about over this year that we've really enjoyed. The new Avenged Sevenfold album, I think, is an absolute masterpiece. Um, but they've only just done that. They've done that the once for my money. Not that I don't like the stage, but they've done it the once. And I think Code Orange, to keep operating at this level, it is tr really, truly impressive. Um, is it better than Underneath? I think Underneath is the better album, and I think I do still prefer Underneath, but I can see loads of people for whom this will be their favourite. Uh, Gaz Jones, Definitely. for example. I think it's a shame that Gaz wasn't able to uh, join in on this review with us, but I think when you speak to him on the weekly show and get his kind of pricey review of what he thinks of this album, I think this is going to be his favourite Code Orange album. And I think it will mm. it will bring them in the new audience, hopefully. <laughs> like, assuming that it can get out there and be heard by as many people as it deserves to, I think, yeah there's gonna be a hell of a lot of people brought on board here this to me feels like a really cool bridging album for people who listen to stuff like there are people who you know i, I don't know if i said this on the podcast but i went to see limp biscuit um at fins at not finsley park at gunnersbury park. Um, park a few weeks ago and some of the guys some guys i used to go to school with they used to go to gigs with when I was at school who are my sort of age and they were like oh the shit thing about download is they always book too many new <laughs> bands and they don't know anything about new metal or new rock music at all they're not mm. interested they're not they, they do not give a fuck and it's because they probably look at someone like bring me the horizon and no shade on bring me right but they probably look at bring me the horizon and they go that it's not really that relatable to the shit that i used to like and that's fine right that's fine but i do think that this album is 
I think this is the sort of album that I could say to them, like, okay, because they probably, even underneath, I think they would have struggled mm. when gone, oh, that's a bit weird. That's a bit weird, right? That's a bit too much for someone who hasn't bought an album since 2002, <laughs> right? It's a bit of a struggle. Whereas I could say to them, like, go and listen to this, and it sounds like Alice in Chains and Pantera and all the shit you love. And I think they would all go, fucking hell, yeah, great. I love mm. this. And I, I, I hope that Code Orange... You know, because last time I was like, oh, you know, the people that are into like really weird, mad experimental hip hop and stuff, they might get into that. And I think, you know, it's, they, they could have done and they didn't because of the pandemic and because of a bunch of other things. And Code Orange have moved on and fucking fair mm-hmm. play to them because they have, they have, they've just moved on. And I think they're now going, there is an untapped audience of people who, um, who I think like very, very straightforward metal in the kind of, I mean, five finger death punch vein, who I think would be open enough to go, I also want something a bit challenging as well. You know, and Code Orange, I think uh, are basically trying to give them something a bit more interesting and different and unique than the majority of metal that you hear on the radio. And I think they've made an album which can kind of straddle those two worlds. And that's that's really yeah. cool. I think that's really cool. Absolutely. Stick this on mm. radio. It will sit amongst all those bands and it will show them up for the fucking rubbish that they are. Because this is just spectacular. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. UK dates now, please. Really want to see this material live. Really, really want to see it. I do, yeah. Yeah. yeah and hooks yeah. like you know come on heavy bands like i think the reason the again like just quickly to sort of end on this because we've been going a while but like when people talk about oh it sounds like the 90s and stuff do, do you mean that when bands used to write hooks and choruses when bands used to write you know war for territory and let freedom ring with a shotgun blast yeah, and pussy shit like that yeah um, yeah uh, what you mean and yeah like choruses you could actually mm. remember because that's one of my big like ugh. every time i listen to like a, someone go, oh, this is really great this new band they're really really great or whatever i'm not going to name any names and i go yeah they do sound good and then it ends and i go i can't remember a single thing mm. about that i can't remember anything about it there are only a few but like you know the the, the new urn album completely different type of music obviously but loads and loads mm-hmm, of hooks mm-hmm. and loads of memorable vocal parts and that's what most people want not everyone's a big fucking nerd that likes you know to know about tune-ins and fucking you know time signatures and shit most people don't give a shit about that they want choruses and this has got fucking choruses days, all over the yeah. place for days uh, all right anyway thanks very much for listening everyone we're gonna go now it's been a bit longer than i thought it was gonna be <laughs> imagine that i couldn't stop talking about code orange crazy see you soon sam what are you doing uh what are you doing next is it kevin Rowland? is it on Duke i reckon Pop? so i don't believe it he <laughs> says, he says um <laughs> that's what he says ted all right cheers everyone thanks for listening we'll see you next time bye